And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Monday, August 7th. This is On Deck. I'm Stephen Nesbitt, and joining me, as always, is Levi Weaver. Levi, how was your weekend? It was fine. I played in a pickup Sandlot game. I went one for three, so nobody cares about that. Let's go. That's better than 0 for 3 and still no strikeouts. On today's show, we are going to talk about Fight Night in Cleveland. Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez squared up. It went much better for one of them than the other. We are, of course, going to talk about our series of the week. And we are going to make our Homer Chase picks. Also, Steven is going to tell us about the last fist fight he was in, in which he pummeled a fifth grader. It's okay because he was only in 11th grade. Steven, let's go. <laughs> so I'm in a fantasy league that I, I enjoy because my brothers are in it with me. Dan, Peter, shout out. But I hate that it's a quality start league. And so here I was Saturday night watching on my phone as Michael Kopech, who I streamed, was going for a quality start in this game against the Cleveland Guardians. Great idea to start him against the Guardians. Taking a zero into the sixth inning. And I check it and it says... Andres Jimenez, single, okay. Jose Ramirez, double, scores the run. All right, this is still, we're lining up for a quality start. We're fine, we're fine, we're fine. And then I just start to see this flurry of like things happening. And it's like, this guy's ejected and that guy's swapped in for this position. And it just kept going. Like, this is strange to have all this happening after five and a third innings. I kept watching and and, uh, didn't check Twitter at all. And so all I just kept seeing this and then like the next hitter, I think doubled again too. So things didn't go so well. He gets yanked after five and a thirds, and I'm I'm livid because he doesn't get to the magic quality start, disastrous quality start numbers, and this has been a bugaboo for mine all, of mine all season. It wasn't until about half hour later, Levi, that I finally checked Twitter X and realized what had gone down in the moments I was watching game day. It was not some random flurry of of activity on the field. It was not just Tito Francona getting tossed for the third time this week, all in games against the White Sox. It was, in fact, a brawl, the likes of which I don't know the last time I really saw. I mean, other than Rugnet Odor. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember the last one I saw. I was there at that game when that happened. This, by the way, I still think that uh, Rugnet Odor's punch was better than Jose Ramirez's. Just, you know, you line him up side by side. Ramirez kind of landed a lucky shot as he was being pulled away. It was a good, good punch. Odor's was much more direct, landed more square. Also, there was more jewelry flying around, which added to the effect. However, Bautista can take a punch better than Tim Anderson, it appears. I have never... There are two things that happen that I've never seen in a baseball fight. One is two guys, like, squaring up first. Like, those fights usually just erupt and somebody punches the other one. You know, Odor, Bautista, in slow motion, you could see they both square up about the same time. But there was no time wasted, man. Odor was like, I'm smaller. I'm not going to wait for him to come to me. It's time. You don't square without throwing. Anderson and Ramirez both like did the thing that you see in parking lots like or that I used to see in parking lots at bars at 1 a.m. 
and you know they do the little this with their head a little bit and they're kind of coming in and i've never seen that in a baseball fight before the other thing that i've never seen in a baseball fight before is somebody go arms down out tim anderson wasn't knocked out knocked out but that punch landed hard enough his arms went down and he dropped and i have not seen i'm sure it's happened in a baseball fight before but i haven't seen it and my goodness like to the point that it was a little scary until he got back up and like okay he's gonna be fine but even as his teammates were dragging him off the field and he was like trying to go back to the fight you could still see he was wobbly his steps were not okay like he he took a hard one right there on the on the jaw right there and you know like terry francona said he's like it's not funny but then he just was like quiet and trying to not laugh for 20 seconds it's not like I think we've talked about this before that I I am a pacifist in real life. I don't think that fighting is ever the answer. And yet baseball fights I love usually, usually I love them because they're not like this. It's just guys like kind of scrapping at each other and, and you know, that there's a lot of posturing and uh, I do love baseball fights. Two things I loved about this one. One was the camera angle as the bullpens are starting to empty out. The cameraman, God bless him. I don't know who it was, but he deserves a, a, an Emmy for this. Gets behind somebody and just follows them down the tunnel as if it's their ninth inning closer entrance or as if it's a boxer like going down the tunnel into the ring and just so casual. It was like a two-second shot, but it was mm, chef's kiss. Beautiful cinematography on, on that one. The other was the umpire who kind of started to get between them saw them squaring up and pulled a little like a boxing referee move where he just sort of took three steps back and he might as well have just put his hands together and said fight because that was a classic classic referee move so yeah good we have not had a baseball fight that good in quite some time i'm glad everybody's okay i was going to bring up the um the umpire it was malachi moore the second base umpire um who had i believe just one night prior been like totally drawn the Ire of Tito Francona had had really been on the the wrong side of things there, and he gets in. You know, he does what you're supposed to do. Step between the two. Hey, listen, no, 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 we're not going to do this. And as soon as they square up, he's like, "Okay, not my. Hey, not my job. <laughs> this isn't on. This isn't part of my. Like, I'm not a hockey referee. I don't need to get in there, uh, throw some elbows around myself. It was special. And yeah, I think you're you're right with the with the Odor one. It was a it was a better shot. This one was. It almost looked like Anderson was in better position. He just like didn't defend himself. He landed two decent shots, and Ramirez was like ducking out of the way and just like Tim had left himself open. Michael Kopech had him in a headlock. He's being pulled away and just throws a wild haymaker with his right and lands it. Like that was, I don't want to say lucky. Like he defended himself well. I don't. That's a guy that I would not mess with. But you know that sort of applies to all Major League Baseball players at this point. I'm 43 and made of Ritz crackers, but. It was it was a good punch, but a little bit of luck. You did not land a knockout blow while you're in a headlock being pulled away. That's one we'll be talking about for quite a while, I think. The actual genesis of the problem here is, I guess Jose Ramirez has an issue with Tim Anderson and the way he handles himself. It kind of seems like he's gotten he's always had something against the him. way he tags people or something was was part of the post game interview. The real like dispute here is over a hard tag. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, which I'm sure you have. Double down in the right field corner. Ramirez slides into second base. That's uh, a short hop coming from right field. Anderson grabs it. And 
uh, Ramirez actually slides right between his legs over over second base, and Anderson brings it down. I guess hard. I think it hits the helmet and then maybe goes down on his back. And so it didn't look bad. I just looked back at it again in slow motion. Still doesn't look bad. I understand if you can't see the tag yourself because you're between his legs right now, you may feel differently. I think it not, maybe knock the helmet off. But yeah, it was. It, I don't think it it warranted that. However, I guess Ramirez sort of backed up whatever his complaint was, pretty well. Uh, Producer Brian said, with the UFC and boxing on Saturday, that was the best punch of the day. It most certainly was. It was. Um, it spiced up a humdrum game, is what I was saying. But I just found that that part of the clip you were mentioning with the uh, cinematography. I, so I've I've watched this video probably like twelve times. And the whole time I was like, is that Pedro Griffal? Like, is that the manager they're following out from like a suite or something? It doesn't make any sense. But if if you're right, it's got to be like the bullpen. That's coach what somebody said gets... it was. Somebody told me on, on Twitter that it was the bullpen. Coach. That's very so, funny. Well done. That's super funny that he gets his moment there. He's going to like send that to everybody he knows. Oh, absolutely. Um, anyway, so before we, we leave this alone and, and move on, I wanted to, to make note of what happened afterward. The, the postscript here, this went on for like 15 minutes. Our colleague, Zach Maisel, wrote this, and I'll just read what he said. After the melee, Kopech was back on the mound, maybe because Chicago's relievers had all rushed the field. Brian Shaw, the longtime Cleveland reliever, eventually replaced Kopech later in the inning. His second jogged to the infield in a matter of minutes, and once the brawl was finally settled, here comes Oscar Gonzalez walking into the batter's box to the SpongeBob SquarePants theme. One minute, right hooks being exchanged. The next, the ballpark PA system blaring the line, who lives on a pineapple under the sea? It was pure theater. So thank you, Zach, for, for having that moment as I looked at my phone's game day. That's what I was missing. Outstanding. Oh, man. I don't understand why it is, you know, as producer Brian mentions, UFC and boxing, that I, like, don't I don't watch UFC. I don't watch boxing. I don't I don't enjoy it. It's not fun to me. And yet when a fight breaks out in a baseball game, I'm like, oh, here we go. I don't get it. I don't understand it. We're going to talk about this in therapy probably. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, it is time for our top series of the week. There were a few interesting ones to choose from here. Uh, we've got a, f- a few teams in, in playoff contention. We've got a few teams slipping out of playoff contention. But uh, who do you got, Stephen? Let's start with you. Boy, I got to start with the most concerning one of all right now. The Angels, they're going to be hosting the Giants a couple weeks ago. I would have said the great series. I mean, everything's going the right direction for these teams. The Angels, man. They've now lost six in a row. They just finished a series against Seattle where they got swept in a four-game series, and that went 5-3, to 9-7, to 3-2, to 3-2. to two. And the kind of heartbreaking last two games was a ground rule double by Brandon Drury um, on Saturday that would have been that cost them uh, in the ninth inning, probably would have got the run home to tie that game. Then Chase uh, Silseth, the starter for the Angels on Sunday, punched out 12 over seven innings, but they lost in 10 innings. They are 
just spiraling at a point where they went all in and you need to see immediate returns. So I'm highlighting this series because they need this one. There is not yet such a thing as a must win, but boy, we're getting pretty close for a team that's now 56 and 57, under 500, uh, seven games out of a wild card, man. Levi, these these angels, they're in trouble. And so they, they come into this series, they're going to be starting Patrick Sandoval, Lucas Giolito, Shohei Otani in a series that's um, the Giants have like a weird three-man, two-man rotation. So Logan Webb on uh, the middle game is the only confirmed starter so far. But, um, you know, the Giants haven't been going bonkers themselves. They're in second place, yes. Still 10 over 500, three and a half back of the division lead, and then three games up in the wild card. So they're still secure in a wild card spot. But they just dropped two to Oakland over the weekend, the last two. So neither team... Uh, really in the position they want to be. Certainly the Angels are in a much more dire position. I don't know. I, I certainly did not endorse them going buying, but I didn't think it would go poorly this quickly. And they're going to need a big start from Sandoval, who's who's good, and he's been good, but an especially larger bounce back from uh, Lucas Giolito, I think, in the middle game of this series, because uh, this is a, this is the Shohei Otani and, and the Shrug show. I tend not to, to endorse the normal position if I can help it. And not because I don't believe that the lesser held position is true, but just because like if everybody has an opinion, it's the reason that I liked the Killers until their album went platinum. It's like, I'm, I'm tired of this by now. Like, I don't want to just say the same thing that everybody's saying. I don't want to be boring. But in this case, I'm very basic and very boring in that, like you said, I was I didn't think it was the best idea for them to go all in. I thought they should have traded Otani. I didn't think that it was going to end well for them. I think probably most people thought that once it happened, I feel like I was on board with Jason Stark or whichever MLB exec was quoted in Jason Stark's story saying we should all be rooting for the Angels right now. Like they took a huge risk. They went all in. Hey, you want to see moves like that succeed? You want to see the underdog take a big swing? And I mean, I don't know that you can call Shohei Otani and Mike Trout the underdog, but you want to see those like grand gestures rewarded, right? Like, okay, you know what? Against all odds, we believe in ourselves. We're going to do the thing, the impossible. We're going to make it happen. You want to see that pan out once in a while? That's why movies do that because they know people will pay to see it. Um, that is exactly the opposite of what has happened. The angels are absolutely a disaster right now. It is not going well for them. I wish that I had something more interesting or unique to say about the Angels, but I think it's pretty obvious to everybody that's exactly what the storyline is there. All right, who you got? On my end, I went with two teams who are also not doing well lately, but are both pretty close to a playoff spot. When we look at the standings, and this is, of course, as of... Uh, Sunday, when we are recording this, the National League wildcard standings, the Reds are tied for the third place uh, wildcard position. The Miami Marlins are just a half game back. These are two teams that you and I have enjoyed watching this year. They've been fun at times, kind of underdogs. You know, the Reds are young and fun. The Marlins have this great pitching staff. Um, neither team is doing very well. They are both three and seven in their last 10 games. The records are almost identical, 58 and 55 for the Marlins. 59 and 55 for Cincinnati. The other similarity is that they are in extended losing streaks. The Marlins have lost four in a row. The Reds have lost six in a row, similar to the Angels. Both of these teams had the inside track to a wildcard position. They have just spit it up. The Cubs are now in a wildcard position. The Cubs have been red hot since uh, the trade deadline or there a little bit before. When you look at the, uh, you know, I, I like to do the who's hot, who's not. When you look at the Miami Marlins, you've got some guys that are over 1,000 OPS over the last two weeks. Garrett Hampson, Jazz Chisholm, Josh Bell, of all people. He has had a little bit of a renaissance 
after arriving in Miami. But the number of plate appearances, that's only eight for Hampson. 17 for Chisholm as he's come back from the uh, from the injury. Josh Bell, it's 19. Nick Fortes, 23. Your one hitter that's doing pretty well is Luis Arias at 888, and he's got 55 plate appearances. So, like, the hot bats are really not guys that are playing a lot. Uh, they just got swept in Texas. The pitching's doing fine-ish. Sandy Alcantara did have an 0.53 ERA the last two weeks. That was before he gave up four earned runs on Sunday in Arlington. Braxton Garrett has been pretty good. Stephen Okert in his last six innings, a zero ERA. Meanwhile, in Cincinnati, you have Matt McLean, who has a 9.31 OPS, so nobody over 1,000 in the last two weeks. You have Ellie De La Cruz, who's OPSing at 900 with five home runs. There's nobody else in the last two weeks with an OPS over 800. That is an offense that had been on fire as a unit, and they are cratering. Meanwhile, the pitching staff, which we always knew was not great, they've had 16 pitchers throw at least a third of an inning. So I set the minimum at zero. Hey, if you've thrown a pitch for the Reds in the last two weeks, you are up for this comparison. 16 pitchers have thrown a pitch for the Reds. Would you like to guess how many have an ERA of over six? Over six (laughs) of the 16? Three. Eight. Fully half of their pitchers have an ERA of over six the last two weeks, and two more have an ERA over five. The four that are doing well, Graham Ashcraft at 233. He's thrown 19 into third innings. Derek Laws throws seven, two th- seven and two-thirds innings of scoreless relief. Then the good news for the for the Reds, and we've got good news for the Marlins as well, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo should be back before the end of the month. I just talked to Trent Rosecrans, our Reds writer. He said Hunter Green on August 20th or thereabouts, so you're looking at a couple weeks for him. Lodolo should be back before the end of the month if they can just hang around until the 1st of September and get those two guys back. That's going to be, I would like to think, a big boost for them. Meanwhile, the Marlins, producer Brian tells us, it looks like Eury Perez will be called back up and start on Monday. That's the day that you were listening to this. It's tomorrow in past land where we are recording, but Eury Perez has been very good for them. And... Um, It'll be good to see him back in the big league. So this is a big series. Uh, they're now one of them. If they want to make the playoffs, going to have to knock off the Cubs. But to do that, they first have to knock off each other. couple more series to watch here. Just want to give a quick mention because I feel bad. I pick the Angels every single week because, listen, every single series is uh, is getting very, very important for them. And sort of the whatever happens with Otani these last two months is sort of the, the story of the last two months. So we have Seattle, San Diego. The Mariners won five in a row, seven and three in their last ten. Uh, two and a half out, I believe, at this point. Let me double check my That is correct. I, I looked that up, yes. Same as their opponent, the Padres, who are also two and a half back. That's right. Both two and a half and seven and three in the last ten for San Diego. Actually, I just think I just took one away from Seattle's uh, eight and two. My bad. In the last ten, another series: the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, boy, taking on the first place team, have lost six in a row. Boy, it feels like a long time ago they were they were in first place there. And then Houston, Baltimore, two great teams. Baltimore just keeps like they just do not slow down. They keep finding ways to win. They got that shutdown bullpen. They got Jack Flaherty now helping out. Had a really great first start for the O's. So that's uh, a handful of series we'll be watching this week. Yeah, implications in the AL West too, which we all know that I pay a little closer attention to. The Astros are playing the Orioles. Meanwhile, the Rangers are going to Oakland to play the A's. So that is, you know, the Rangers are already up. What are we looking at? Uh, Sorry for the delay. I think it's, they're up one game as of right now. Um, Got a chance to build up a little bit of a lead there over the next three or four days.
All right, Levi, you know what time it is. It is time for the On Deck Arcade. A couple things to check in on. We have our arms race results in from over the weekend. We both picked a starter. We had a little fun with it. We picked the exact same guys we picked the week before because there's a rule that says we cannot pick the same team twice in the season. Uh, so we didn't. We picked the guys that just got swapped to teams we never picked before. You took Scherzer. I took Verlander. And uh, actually a pretty interesting result here. If the listeners know, we choose GameScore 2.0, which is a way to stack them side by side on uh, Fangraphs. Thank you to the good people at Fangraphs for having that available to us. It turns out some weird results sometimes. So this is an interesting one. Max Scherzer against the White Sox went uh, six innings, seven hits, three earned runs, zero homers, two walks, nine punch outs. And Verlander against the Yankees. I didn't feel good about starting this one, but uh, you told me I had to. You forced me. Seven innings. I didn't know such a thing. Seven innings, seven hits, two runs, one homer, two walks, four strikeouts. So what you're looking at, basically, Verlander, more outs recorded, one fewer run. So generally, you'd take that, a better ERA there. But Scherzer had fewer homers and more strikeouts, quite a few more strikeouts, nine to four. So your take, where did this land? I think Scherzer's got a two-game winning streak for me because last week I thought Mm. Scherzer lost and he won. So what's going to happen is I I think he won and now he's going to lose. That's how this is going to play out. No, sir. You have swept the Verlander-Scherzer twin bill. Two points apiece both games. Uh, Last week was 65-63. This one is 58-56. So I can't I can't get a win here with those two. Thankfully, I can't pick one of those two guys again. 10-3 and three overall for Levi there. Moving on to the homer chase where we pick one guy each week. Uh, again, same deal. You can't pick the same team twice. Uh, and we both picked uh, Padres for our teams this week. Uh, I had Manny Machado. You had Gary Sanchez. Feeling good about this. Yeah, it was looking good for you even before the Sunday night game started as we're recording. Sanchez, because he hit one just as we started recording, he has three for the week. The game is still ongoing. Things could still happen. Machado has one. And so you are closing the gap, my friend. 20 to 16 overall. I am up by four after uh, I think we're doing 13, 14 weeks of this. So pretty good start for you. All right. So my pick this week, I don't mind going first. It's nobody that you've picked because you have already picked this team. I am glad that I waited. I am bringing in my closer. It's time for me to close that gap. I have not picked a Yankee so far this year. Aaron Judge, baby, let's go 15 home runs this week. Catch me back up. Give me an insurmountable lead. I'm going to go with the Twins, different direction in the AL. So the reason I like the Twins, no off days this week. Four games at Detroit, which is not pitcher-friendly, or is pitcher-friendly, but it's like the whittled down Tigers off, Tigers rotation and bullpen. Then three games at Philadelphia, great place to hit. So the choices were between Max Kepler, who just hit a game-tying homer in the ninth inning, Sunday night as we record, and Matt Walner hit the walk-off homer in that same game. I'm going to go with Walner, the rookie. Six homers in his last two weeks, including that walk-off on Sunday. So that's my guy, Matt Walner. I would not have thought when we started this game that I would have picked Matt Walner. Man, how far has Joey Gallo fallen that you're picking Matt Walner over Joey Gallo? They have a bunch of, I mean, they're, they're basically all the same player, different ages, uh, but all, all good, good guys, I'm sure. Gallo's the best, by the way. If we're talking about who's good dudes, Joey Gallo, two thumbs up. We're going to hit the exits here. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. Subscribe to The Athletic for $2 per month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. Sign up for The Wind Up, The Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal for absolutely free. Coming up next in your feed, Starkville. Phillies president of baseball ops, Pobo, Dave Dombrowski, joins Jason Stark and Doug Glanville. Always interesting. So many interesting things actually happening with the Phillies at this point. 
with some of their ads, some of their slumps, some of their major slumps happening with uh, Castellanos trying to get things right and Trey Turner, who has been on a season-long slump. So give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 32EFIS, and I'm at Stephen J. Nesbitt. The two of us will be back on Thursday with more of What's on Deck. See you later. Bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.